At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We're proud to say that BetDSI have rejoined us once again as one of our keynote sponsors on Three Yards Per Carry. We welcome them and we welcome you to join up with them. The NFL season obviously kicks off at the weekend. The college football season has just got underway, but it's not just limited to football. The baseball playoffs are coming. Uh, there are a myriad of other sports out there that you could bet on. There's entertainment things, there's politics things at BetDSI.com. They have a great app. I've used it myself. I know the boys have used it too. They have a great mobile interface. And you know, this year, you can get a 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. That's a 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. Use the code YARDS101. As always, YARDS101. Bet DSI for all of your betting needs and other ones that you probably didn't even know existed. Yards 101 with Bet DSI. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, but before we go on with today's episode, let me tell you about a great sponsor of the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast, and that is AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and the friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. If you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-priced pre-owned vehicles. They're all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price, guaranteed. Or if you just want to get rid of that old car, turn it in for cash today. Get a top dollar offer and check the same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Is your check engine light on? Right now, get their services you need at low AutoNation prices. Oil changes, tires, batteries, and more. All for less. Call or visit AutoNation.com to schedule your appointment today. If you are in the market for a new car, DM us at 3 yards per carry. That's at the number 3 yards per carry on Twitter. And I'll give you an AutoNation senior manager your info so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. Now, on with the show. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here with me. I have Chris Kaufman here with me. And, well, the week is here. This is a pretty big, big game week. But we'll start with this. Barry Jackson wrote something, and I want your reaction to this, Simon. He wrote something in the Miami Herald about two or three hours ago. And it's the reaction from certain players on tanking. 
And just to quote a couple, you know, Jesse Davis found it kind of funny, but Jerome Baker flat out said he pulled the you're not a real fan card out of everybody. But well, you're not Daniel a you're not Kilgore, a real football player either. So yeah, but Daniel Kilgore actually kind of understood, and then he he offered this quote: "It's tough because I understand what they're talking about, but as a person going out to do a job, it's tough to hear. Say I worked as a construction guy for Florida Highways, and I went out to patch a hole in the highway. Would I do a half-assed job hoping people get in a car wreck? Hopefully, yeah. Probably not." I want to go out and do my job and always compete to win. So he had the politically correct answer. What do you make of this? And by the way, there was only like two people at this press conference. So what do you make of the whole vibe in that building right now? So. That's the best thing that Daniel Kilgore has done for the Dolphins since he signed for us, I think. Right? <laughs> I um, think so. What do I think about it? I mean, they've got to know, haven't they? They can't. They're not stupid. They don't live in bubbles, these guys. They've got to know. And it must be. Look, it must be frustrating. It must be frustrating knowing that, that a majority of the fans want the team to lose so that they can get a player that will hopefully bring the team back to a level that makes it competitive. And the chances are that 75% of these guys aren't going to even be part of that rebuild anyway. Um, so it must be frustrating. But at some point, you've got to accept the way. I mean, at some point, you've got to accept the products on the field is just not very yeah. good. So I don't really know what the players want. You know, they can't sit there. I mean, I, I find not hypocritical, but I do find it a little bit uncomfortable that players sit there and all that asset stripping goes on and the, the managed decline happens and they don't say anything. And then when fans sort of say, oh, yeah, we want a college quarterback, they're like, oh, that doesn't make you a real fan. I'm sorry, yeah. Jerome Baker, but you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're playing on a team that's had the worst four-game start since the 1920. 19- to Allegheny spider spider jacks or something like that. I mean, then then you're not really a, a real football team either. So Adolf um, Hitler so. was a high school quarterback when uh, when <laughs> there was there was a team as bad as us. Those are two words. <laughs> those are two words that nobody would have thought you would have ever heard on the three yards per carry podcast. There you uh, go. But yeah, um, so you know Jerome Baker, whatever I. I, I guess I get it. You know, they're putting their bodies on the line and stuff like that. But listen, the fans have license at this point because this is what the front office did. And they can try and, oh, yeah, we're just rebuilding. This is a certain kind of rebuilding. It's like, you, no, no, you're rebuilding by stripping all of your assets right now and trying to lose right now so that you get a high draft pick. And a high draft pick was always a central part of the plan from the start. Always, and we have that from high. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. And if the fans are signing on to it, then they have nobody to blame except the team themselves for for opening that door. And the fans walked through it, and that's that's fine, and that's the way it is. And so Jerome Baker can can shove his comments up his ass, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> Daniel Kilgore, it was kind of interesting. Was all almost like you know. He's kind of like, yeah, I get it. You know, you're, I get it. You know, I, I I see the big picture. You know, quarterbacks being what they are and stuff like that, or high picks being what they are. He tried not to go into the quarterback realm. I think he was trying to be nice to the current quarterbacks on roster. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I thought that was the most interesting part of it. Really, was that. And then John Jenkins tuned at the end. And he's like, fans get to think whatever the fuck they want to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Can> I, <laughs> he gave like the I... briefest statement at the very yeah. end. <laughs> 
It's also Can interesting that they went to the three captains for these comments, and yeah. Daniel Kilgore had the most politically correct comments of the yeah. three. Can I throw out a question here? Do you think, because some people have been asking this, you know, that whole narrative of, you know, if we do end up with Tua, this whole narrative about, you know, he's left-handed, he has two good receivers, he has a better offensive line, Alabama can't, you know, no quarterback from Alabama, all, all these myriad of reasons. But mm. do you think that if he or anybody else, frankly, do you think that there's so much pressure that's been built up? This is a historically bad team. This is a, you know, we are tanking for two like Indianapolis was sucking for luck, yet on a, on an almost greater level because what we've, the asset stripping has been of an even greater degree. The history of Marino, the history, all that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a, with the, there's going to be such an undue pressure on whichever quarterback we end up drafting that it might just become too much? Or do you think that actually these kids are in tuned enough with modern life to understand, you know, that they can step into a team like the Miami Dolphins and knowing that they are deemed as the saviour and almost deified before they um, take a snap, that they can deal with that, 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 that they'll be all right? Do you think that's an issue? I think they're already deified wherever they are. Most of these guys are right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, true. If you look at if you look at what they're what they are on campus, um, they're gods there already. So um, that part of it is going to be familiar. But I think it could be too much. Yes, I think it could be too much for even a Tua Tungavailoa. And I think that listen, I, I I know that it's only happened once recently with Eli Manning, uh, but. We do have to be careful here that in the end, Tua and his family, who make decisions with him and sometimes for him, um, are going to step back and say, you're not just going to, the, you're not just set to go to the worst team in the league. You're set to go to the worst team in league history. <laughs> and there's a difference. And, and that's, and that maybe that's not in their best interest. And you know, maybe that's not in Tua's best interest. And he's just, you know, hey, um, I'd rather go to, you know, I don't know who who else uh, to a team maybe. with less assets with a worse roster. Yeah, I can't less a- less assets. I I don't buy that at all because we don't have any assets on the roster right now, and we'll get into the roster, but we've got like virtually none except for Xavier Howard or something like that. I mean, it's 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 bad. So we've we've got draft picks. We got draft picks that are rolls rolls of the dice. Draft picks that turn into Charles Harris. So don't tell me we got like a shit ton of assets here. I mean, we got the number one overall pick. Previous proposal, purportedly, we've got the number one overall pick, which we will be using onto a tongue of Iowa. So that won't get, you know, the quarterback any other assets. And then we got a pick somewhere in the top 10. Okay, that could be a good player. Could be a good player. Could also be, could also be, uh, you know, uh, Dion, what the fuck uh, that we got from Oregon. So, yeah, Dion Jordan from Oregon. Or, and then the late, the number 25 overall pick, Charles Harris. Charles Harris, we got a number 25 overall. We get some other bumfuck player. You know, that they don't know that we've got assets, okay? And okay, they're going to look at the team in place right now, and the team in place right now is shit. It's the worst team in NFL history. Here's yeah, another question for you. But then. he's not coming onto the team next week. He's coming onto the team in April after an entire free agency period where they probably add about $80 million in salary. Do Here's another they? question for you. We don't know yeah. that. I think the team's going to look a lot different by the time he gets here. And then he's going to look at all those draft picks and all the draft picks going forward. And this is actually going to be a pretty damn good situation compared to if some of the other crap that's out there in the league. 
I was going to say, if you look, look at the you look at you look at the four other teams: Miami, the Jets, the Redskins, and mm-hmm. the Bengals. I think I'd, pro- you know, I I would probably, if I'm a fan of those four teams, I think I feel more comfortable with the future of the Dolphins than I do with the future of those other three. Fair. I agree. I'm not. I, I think that might be a little bit of Dolphin fandom sticking in because you know I. I'm not so sure who, what who right we have. Two? I'm not sure what right we have to like sit, sit here and pretend like we're head and shoulders above the Washington Redskins or even the New York Jets. But just in terms I'm looking of the at future, the roster, if you just look at the way that the future could potentially pan out, it feels like the future is brighter for Miami, or the opportunity for it to be brighter in Miami is greater than the opportunity for it to be brighter in Washington. But why? Is that what I mean? Based on what? Based on our coaching staff which is getting outwitted every outfoxed every week or based well, on our players which we have none no I mean, but we're also in that done what that situ- well based on the situation that out I, I, listen don't have a go at me i'm playing devil's devil's advocate here. <laughs> i'm just saying that there is a there is a brighter end of the tunnel surely in that cap space all these draft picks because you know we've been sat here on this podcast talking up how great it is that we've got all these draft picks in terms of if they get it right the future surely is greater for this team than it would be for for Washington, for example, who find themselves treading water and sinking slowly year upon year upon year. I think and the future just... looks good if we get Tua. Cool. I mean, so, but but Tua is not going to be considering that, right? No. He's going he's to be considering the team around him. Here's my and, third question: If Miami get the second pick overall, let's say for for argument's sake, and then the decision is made by Jake Fromm and Tua that they're returning to college for their senior seasons. <laughs> wow. Which both of them happen. Both of them. Wow. What what next? I'm, I think they're probably gonna take Love or Herbert. Well Do Herbert think, so, well let's say Herbert let's say, would likely go number one in that scenario. Herbert would go number one, yeah. surely. Hmm. Do you take Jordan Love or do you take I Andrew would. Thomas? Okay. I think they do take Jordan Love, and I'll tell you why. I think that they're on an accelerated timetable. I think they know what they have to produce next year. They have to produce hope next year. And how they do that is with all those draft picks, all that cap space, they spend money. They build, they rebuild the team, about 30 new players probably, maybe 35 new players. So you sell hope next year. You make a run at six, seven wins. If Tua is special, who knows, maybe you make a run at eight wins. Then the following year, expectations start to pile on to this team and if they're not met then you could have a coach a gm a front office fired so they're on an accelerated timetable so i think that next year they have to sell hope and that has to come with a shiny new quarterback so no matter what i think they're taking one very so do do you think do you think that they would take a shiny new quarterback because let's be honest jordan love could do with sitting yeah, for a season. He if you could. throw Jordan, if you throw Jordan Loving at the look, Jake Fromm and Tua are pretty mentally and physically advanced in terms of what they can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Jordan is a is a. We all love Jordan Love, but there is a you know there'd be a fear if you threw him at the deep end. You, know, you look at the the benefits of Patrick Mahomes sitting for the year. Right. Um, you know, 
if you draft Jordan Love second overall and then he sits for a year and then you end up with the fourth overall pick and he's still got those two first rounders, two second rounders, and there's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Tua Tonga Bailoa. Mm. You kind of get me, yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be up to Chris Greer to somehow sell that to Stephen Ross because Stephen Ross has already been sold a different plan. Well, and... the other plan. Well, the other plan that could be that you continue the maturation of Josh Rosen. You draft Andrew Thomas as your your stud left tackle. You pick Creed Humphrey with your second pick, and you pick Lucas Niang or Mackay Beckton or whatever with your third, and you build an offensive line that's in place for a year and has a bit of you know oomph to it and has a bit of gel to it because it's played together for a year. And then the year later, you're bringing in that stud quarterback. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate, but you know, it's got to be, it, it'll have to have been a conversation that these guys have already had. What if these two guys go back and we end up with the third pick or the second pick or the fourth pick or whatever they've got to have had, they've got to have played out every scenario. So if they fuck even one element of this, then mm-hmm. they're all out of, out of jobs. And probably, Chris Greer is probably out of a job for, for a long time because you have all yeah. this capital, you, you, you run this team into the ground, in inverted commas, and then you fuck the pooch. Who's hiring you? Because that's mm. a historically bad general managership because he will not, he will not survive. Well, Sashi Brown ended up in, uh, in basketball. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that, that they, they somehow managed to pry Marvin Allen to, to show up and take a – an assistant GM job to Chris Greer here? Did he? Yeah. Did he? Take but but he's a friend here? of he's a friend of Chris Greer. That's that. That's why they got Marvin Allen. Yeah, but friends are friends, and you know. Some, and also, that, let's you know, be honest, Marvin Allen. He got he kind of goes team to team. I don't know why, but and you know maybe there's something there. I don't know, but um, you know he's credited with a lot of players that that show up on the teams that he's on but as for example we don't know that he was responsible for i mean the man that was responsible that was most responsible in kansas city for patrick mahomes is the gm now i mean that mm-hmm. that is that's the that's the story out of out of kansas city that's the reason he's the general manager he and andy reed were ba- and uh john dorsey is no longer there and so i kind of suspect there was disagreement um but yeah, the man that was most respond most on to Patrick Mahomes the earliest and got the team on board, and then I think Andy got on board, and that's probably when what sealed it. Um, he's the GM right now, so we don't know that Marvin Allen did that or you know was was heavily involved in that or not. We think he's a he's a good evaluator, but how do we know he's going to be a you know good evaluators don't necessarily make great GMs, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, good scouts don't necessarily make great GMs. Well, he's going to so, be able to. Well, he's he's essentially in charge of the board this year. Now, one thing that you said that was kind of interesting, Simon, is as far as like you know the three picks and who are they going to be? Don't they almost have to take somebody like a Jonathan Taylor, somebody that's sexy enough to sell to the fan base? You know, you have enough picks. I think you could use one on a on an offensive skill player that you can put hopefully together with a Tua Tonga Bailoa and sell to the fans. Like I, think the, I think the issue with, with taking Jonathan Taylor with one of your high picks, as much as we all like Taylor and as good as he is, mm-hmm. is that, you know, you look across running backs in the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, you can find a Joshua Kelly or a Keyshawn Vaughn or a Cam Akers or a Zach Moss or a Eno Benjamin in mid to later rounds and still have the same benefit as drafting 
you know, look at Marlon Mack, look at, you know, half the running backs in the NFL currently, look at, you know, Damian Williams, you look at Jordan Howard, I'm, you know, David Montgomery, all these, you know, I'm scratching around because it's 12.30, but, you know, there are lots and lots of mid to late round. Look at the, the kid in San Austin Diego, Eckler. Austin Eckler. Yeah, exactly. You know, all these guys, um, you don't have to, I, I just don't, I, I just think, and I said it, I've said it before, I just think, don't take risks, just sign good players, just sign mm. good college players. There's enough of them out there. And look, if their ceiling, their potential ceilings aren't quite as high, then that's fine. But come in, you get 10 really solid years out of, you know, out of a guy because he played three years, he started three years, he was a really good player in college. And you ignore him because you think, oh, well, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's, he might not be as good as this guy who, you know, passes the eyeball test but hasn't really done it, but he could be good in three years' time. Fuck it. Just draft good players. Just mm. draft good players. That's all we ask. Because but before succeed. we even get there, before we even get there, we have to get through the free agency period. And that's yeah, what Alex was alluding to. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we're all we're thinking that there's gonna be all these new players and they're gonna spend all this money. But I'm I'm telling you, watch out here because I know I know that they said they're gonna be aggressive next year. And and I know that Steve Ross is on board with that because he only signed off on a one year tank. He didn't sign off on a two year tank. Um so yeah, but what does aggressive mean to them? What does aggressive mean to these ultra-conservative guys that we've got on top, uh, uh, on top of the team right now and Chris Greer and Brian Flores? Uh, that's the big question to me. What, what do they have in mind as far as doing in free agency? And I'd be careful there. And I would be aggr- – the way that I would be aggressive is I would be coming to Tua Tungavailoa and to his family and to his father – and I would be, I would be working with them in free agency before the draft even begins. Like, yeah. you know, what do you, how do you, how do you think we should build? Because also that Flor- you need to build this team around him. Flores comes from a culture of non-aggression in free agency, doesn't he? I mean, it's yeah. not like the Patriots Absolutely. go out like the Dolphins mm-hmm. have or like Washington have. And although, try and although, as of late, you know, the Patriots have been known to make the big splash. They well, they. I mean, they rentals. In, yeah. yeah, they've dipped in. And really, look at even their best defensive player, Stefan Gilmore, was only a rental until he, you know, until he played fantastically mm-hmm. well. You know, they, they don't, historically, you know, they, they let guys go. You look at Trent Brown, you look at Jamie Collins, look at Charlie Jones. They let all these guys go. And like Chris says, a lot of the guys they bring in are just one or two year rental guys who can get them across another, you know, another hump and they can win another championship and guys want to come to them, you know, be Adrian Claiborne or whoever, because they know mm. that they're going to win a championship. And if they win a championship, they're almost certainly going to elevate their stock both financially, you know, because they're going to go end up like Trent Brown is the perfect example, 65 million at the rate. I mean, credit mm-hmm. Trent Brown. He's playing like the best right tackle in the NFL at the moment. But, that was the best you know, decision he's ever made. <laughs> wasn't it just, but, but you understand the reasons why these guys do that. Flores is coming from a background where they just do not dive in and make massive splashes in, in free agency. So the players are going to have to be the right players. And it, uh, what I think it will be is a lot of splashes, but it won't necessarily be splashes for the massive names that we think. I think it will be some mm-hmm. of these under-the-radar guys. You know, you might see a Byron Jones, for example. He fits the profile, just turned 27, elite cornerback. You know, pair him up with, with, um, with Xavier Howard and away you go. But I think what you'll find is that actually the guy, some of the guys that we've talked about, that David on your Martins and people like that, people, you know, that I was amazed that, you know, on social media, 85% of these people hadn't heard who these, these guys were. 
but it mm. might be the Onya Martins and the Kyla Fackrells and, and these guys, the sort of the what you might class as tier two free agents or even tier three free agents at times. But they're going to fit a p- particular job, a particular scheme. It, you know, building a roster is part of a puzzle, and if you're continuing to adapt the New England model, then it's a special kind of puzzle, and they've got to get that right. And maybe, maybe they even outbid the New England Patriots on a short, you know, fat two-year deal for Calvinoy himself. Would that yeah. make sense? That I think that makes perfect sense. It me. depends on where Tom Brady goes. Like he, his contract is is voids. It's up. He sold his house in, in out of uh, New England, and um, and you know, there's there's thought that something might happen there after this season. And if it does, then you could see that sort of exodus. You could see a Joe Thune not be very interested in coming back. Um, or Tooney is it? Is it Tooney? Is it pronounced Tooney? Well, I've heard it both. Yeah, ways. Joe Tooney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you could you could see him decide that that's not the best place for him to be, but at the same time, you have to convince them that Miami's the best place to be, and that's where that's the stumble. That's the point where you could stumble in free agency because Jadavian Clowney ran from us screaming. Okay. I mean, and and what's his name? Trey Flowers kind of said thanks but no thanks um you know he he wanted to hear our offer but it wasn't wasn't good enough and he was like i'm not taking any discounts to be down there um you know you've got to convince them that this is that this is the right place and i know that this argument about no state tax and oh we've got great beaches and stuff it it kind of looks tired to me um and and like like that's just something that we say and it doesn't end up mattering as much as we think it does and, uh, and, you know, maybe what matters is actually going out and, and proving that, um, that they're committed to winning and that they're, they're committed to putting pieces together and stuff like that. But that might mean that we just have to lay down the money and overpay. And these guys aren't built for that. These guys aren't built for the overpay. So I, I worry about that. This is, it's going to be a test, that free agency period. I think so. But it's, you know, it's going to be a test in the sense of, you know, how do they sell it? Because I'll tell you one thing, if they can't sell it, I'll I'll offer my services because I can sell, if they have the first overall pick, I can sell Tuatunga Vailoa being down here and all of those assets and all the people that we're going to put around him. I'll have people believing we'll be going to be in the Super Bowl the first year. You know, I don't think it's that hard to sell because that's what basically everybody else does that has a shiny new first overall quarterback. You know, you just yeah, but these guys. I don't think do these that. guys think like fans. I think the, you know they're they're seeing oh rookie quarterback. You know, from Alabama, he was surrounded by he was surrounded by stars. Yeah, he had it easy at Alabama. You know, they don't think like us. So I, I think I, I think you got to watch out. Well, speaking of watching out, Tua Vailoa did not play this week, but Jake Fromm and Jordan Love did. Now Jordan Love, you know, his team got smoked. His team is just not good enough, and they played against a really good LSU team. But you had a long thread, Chris, on Jake Fromm. What did you see? Because you, you really dissected him this weekend in depth. Yeah, I, I, I took a long look at both of them. Well, I've been taking a long look at both of them for a long time. Um, remember Simon and I, I remember us going back and forth about Tua and Fromm uh, after the championship game together Ooh. where they played each other, right? I mean, Ooh. that's um, – we were going back about that, and uh, yeah, I took a long look at both of them, and 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 from basically the point of the the thread is is there's a lot of texture in his game, and there's a lot of things 
I mean, the position, when you really grade the games, you got to be really hard on them because the position demands consistency and perfection. Those, those are the first two levels. And then, and then on top of that, the reason it's so hard, the position is the hardest thing to do in sports, is because it demands the consistency and then it demands the perfection and then it demands better than perfection if that can, you know, if that can be fathomed because you have to be able to also do these things that hurt a defense that challenge them that they can't really plan for and that's that's the way the league is nowadays you got to be consistent you got to be perfect and then you got to do something that's like wow well, what do we do like that russell wilson throw to tyler lockett in the end zone we all that saw insane yeah and since it's insane right you have to be able to do that every now and then and you have to be able to play play in, at that level and make those sorts of plays and at least as far as the first two levels go consistency and perfection I mean, Jake Fromm's game is so um, so advanced in the way that he reads the field how quickly he reads the field how quickly he knows exactly what he wants um, how accurately he knows how to attack certain defensive looks and um, and how he you know how much studying he does beforehand I mean there was a play I didn't even feature it necessarily until I put it on uh, Twitter today but there's a big play that he made to DeAndre Swift. And it turned out that was his fifth, that was his fifth option on the play. It wasn't even part of the progression. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't planned or anything like that. He, he's just looking around, going through his pro- progression. The, the pass rush is closing in on him. And then he kind of just flicks his eyes for half a second over to the left and sees DeAndre Swift leaking out into no man's land and flings the ball out there and it's a huge play it was a huge play that helped them win you know get the game going and um and, get he, down threw the it, field. and he threw it in the face of some pressure off of his back oh, yeah. foot and still got it out there a good 25 yards oh yeah absolutely and um and that's and he's he's got good throws like that all year i mean there's another one that i showed against uh i think it was notre dame that was just uh that was just insane it was while he was rolling to the right as you know a dead run and and you know you think that there's when you throw this ball it's a throwaway right just like the russell wilson play like that's a throwaway right um Mm -hmm. but it wasn't and it actually landed in the in the tight end's hands in the back of the end zone in tight coverage i mean it was perfect and uh the guy didn't catch it unlike tyler lockett who did catch it for russell wilson but um what what i find interesting about from sorry go on chris no i was just gonna say yeah i mean that's the bottom line is though is integration integration of multiple elements into his game at high speed is going on constantly every single play and um and that's gonna that bodes well for him because that's what i mean that's part of your hard wiring it's part of your bandwidth you got to have wide bandwidth transferable skills isn't it that's what coaches are looking for at the the next level what have you got at a college level that you can bring in and that i'm not going to have to teach you what do you already know and you you watch jake from in a game or you you take quarterbacks in a in a scenario where they're look at the combine for example or a pro day when they're in shorts and stuff and what you'll always see is see them drop back and then you'll see their head in a swivel progression one and two progression three, four, and they'll do it almost like mechanically because that's what they've been taught to do in the, in the last three months um, by the, all these guys that are teaching them for the draft and stuff and, and training them up. When you put that on film, you very, very rarely see 85, 90% of the time you do not see them do that in a game because, because they're mm-hmm. just 
they're not wired that way. But you watch Jake Fromm, watch him the other night against Tennessee, but frankly, take any of his games. You watch him and he will work, work, work. And I'm moving my head at the time as I'm saying it. He will work those progressions, one through four if need be, and even one through five as you showed with the DeAndre Swift throw. And he will do that every single time. You see what he does when he comes to the line of scrimmage. He is not like Jordan Love and then waiting to be told what, what is being seen. He's, he, mm-hmm. is, he is evaluating everything. He is then changing protections. He is moving guys around because of what he sees. He is changing plays. He has the ability to And setting picks. And I think exactly. that's important, setting Absolutely. picks. Because that's, that's part of the New England offense. They do a lot of the rubbing and picks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's a big part of the Georgia offense if you really look at it. They're doing that all the time, and he understands how to use those. And he and he signals like you see him signaling to his guys, like he knows he knows how to set it. And the other thing about him is that he's got this thing. He's got this moniker of being a game manager, and I have to admit, I was just, I think, I was just about to say that that everybody yeah. keeps calling him a game manager. But but I think what, where this where this comes I see, from, I think, what is I see is a people, guy who faithfully really executes every single game plan that he's ooh. handed. And I think these narratives come from people who, you know, and I think we're probably all guilty of it at times. You, you see a guy, and, and I suppose it probably happens more so in soccer, and you watch, a, let's say, uh, you know, a, a team signs a new player, and you're excited to see him, and then he plays shit in his first couple of games because he's foreign, he doesn't speak the language, he's never lived in this country, but he's never lived in the UK before, for example, it's pouring with rain, and he comes from a hot country, he's, he's living in a hotel, his family's still back home, wherever they are, you know, France or Holland or, or or whatever but for those two games where he's played shit everybody's like oh he's shit <laughs> they wasted <laughs> tw- 25 million pounds and that's it and you, know, you don't see him again because then the team's not on telly for four or five six games and then all of a sudden the guy starts to pick up and his family had moved over and he's bought a house and he's much more settled and his teammates understand him and he's taking lessons in english and all of a sudden he becomes really good but the narrative is He's shit. Do you remember his first year? He's shit. And it's really difficult for people to change a narrative once that's set mm. against you. And I think that's what's happened with Jake Fromm, that a narrative that he's a game manager because of the constraints of the Georgia offense or the way that the Georgia offense works make yeah. it seem like that's all he's capable of. Yeah, because clearly... Yeah, people want to see him do something extraordinary, and they don't see it, and then they just assume he can't do it. But look, and it's what not, he does. But even is when they do see it, even when it happens, like it happened a couple it. of yeah, exactly. yeah, they don't see it. Like they, yes. they, it happened a couple of times in the Notre Dame game. It happened again a couple of times in the the Tennessee game. I mean, he yeah, that he big does pass it. down the left. He had that big pass down the left sideline in the second quarter of the Tennessee game, which was absolutely ball in hand. Strike, literally couldn't have placed it any better. In the uh, in the receiver's hands, 40, 45 yards down the field, and we were both watching it at the same time. Chris, weren't we? You and I, mm-hmm. and we literally both WhatsApped each other at the same time, pretty much saying, "Wow, what a throw!" And the, and yeah. the go route, the go route to Michael Cager against Notre Dame was probably yeah. the best deep ball thrown by anybody in in NCAA. These players. these are not and both of those touchdowns throws. against Tennessee. Yeah. The you know yeah. the, the yeah. placement where he led them to on those you know Simon, you I think you actually even sent Video, videos yeah, of them yeah. uh, and the one the one that was front kind of front pylon yeah um was I mean, where he yep. down and outside left only place and that the receiver could catch it the yeah leading the receiver to that spot and then the other one where he did he did and this was like i believe it was like a post corner type route and um and he led him back to the inside a little bit because the corner the short corner was threatening to float back and take it away and he led him back to the inside a little bit 
and you know uh, as opposed to throwing it toward the the sideline and it was just i mean it was just so goddamn savvy mm. this is a scary thing to say out loud but and i hate making comparisons when people go which player does he remind you of but he is so intelligent and so football savvy he does, there is an element of tom brady about him and i know that mm. sounds ridiculous to say it out loud but there is there's just he just has something mm. that makes me think mm. Tom makes you scream Tom Brady whenever I see him play and it's an awful comparison to make because you just think you're never going to be able to back that up but that's kind of the vibe that I get from him now on the way out you know where what does this leave Jordan Love his team is just bad it's going to lose a lot this year I think I think he's still in good shape uh, okay (laughs) now what uh, you know refresh my memory I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there what was the last time a top five quarterback came off of a losing season a losing season? Well, I don't know what what was Josh Allen in his last year in Wyoming. Four and eight, were they Yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, okay. but remember that what Josh Allen was though. He was he was a big time physical talent who impressed the guys who impressed all the scouts when they started to dig into him after um, his second to last year in college. And then he went into the final year of college at Wyoming, and they lost a lot. They lost a lot at Wyoming. They lost a lot of players. They lost a lot of NFL players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so, you know, the scouts were kind of like, eh, you know, we understand. We understand this is going to be bad. Well, Jordan Love ha- has had the same thing happen to him, except even worse. I mean, he lost – he literally lost his top three wide receivers, his top tight end, his top running back, four out of his five offensive linemen, his passing game coordinator slash you know, quarterbacks coach, David Yost, who's brilliant, um, and his head coach, who was kind of a running game coordinator guy. Uh, he lost all of that in one offseason. I've never seen that happen to any you know premier college player, mm-hmm. and he lost it all in one offseason. So it was not – Never going to look all that good, and it was kind of frankly, it was amazing that heading heading into the LSU game, they were averaging something like thirty eight points a game anyway, um, yeah. which was a downgrade. They were they were like forty six or forty eight points a year ago per game, so it was clearly it was clearly worse. But I think he's still in good shape because of that. You know, he's still he's still executing pretty well. He's still showing all that talent. Um, until this LSU game, they were producing points. And I think that the really questionable thing that you could say is discipline because you look at them against Wake Forest, you look at them against San Diego State, where you saw you saw a down – I mean, this is what happens when the players around you start getting, getting to be shit. Your, yeah. um, your, your foot discipline goes to hell, right? And your, uh, your, your mechanics go to hell. And, your, um, and, even, and your decision-making goes to hell. Like, you're seeing the field, but you're still making the bad decision. That's what happened with Jordan Love against Wake Forest several times. Happened in San Diego State. And I said, I'm worried about this LSU game. It happened in Colorado State, too. I'm worried about this LSU game going into Baton Rouge because he's making, you know, based on the way the team has gone downhill and now his decision-making has been infected and his mechanics have been infected with that, as, as often happens with quarterbacks. You know, this is going to be a massacre in in LSU, and he's going to be walking right in. He performed better in LSU and Baton Rouge than I thought he was going to. Like he was, he was legitimately all right. He was, he he was good. Yeah, Yeah, he might have had about somewhere around sixty to sixty-five to seventy, maybe air air yards dropped on him. Oh yeah, absolutely. At least one touchdown for sure. 
you know, and, know and the interceptions, the two interceptions yeah. that came later. I mean, the first interception was it was that was Stingley, right? That was yes. and mm-hmm. he just was just you know throwing it up for your guy. And and sorry, I'm I'm <laughs> Stingley's better, right? I, I mean, Derek, you know, Derek Stingley's a top five pick yeah. in three years time, two years time, and that's that'll happen. You're Utah State, and you're going against Derek Stingley, and you're you're trying to to throw a ball up like that. Um, it's not you're doing it because you need to do it you know, to try and win the game. And then the second and third interceptions were the same. If you look at the decision, the decision wasn't bad. All right. He just, he's just looking for one-on-one situation and like, guys, we're getting housed 42 to six. Yeah. Go up and make a play, please. And you're one-on-one with the safety and you've got some room, go make a play, please. And Grant Delpit makes the play instead, you know, or, or another guy, makes the play instead his decision making was fine he actually showed up in that game cleaning up and fixing some of the things that were happening in the san diego state colorado state and wake forest games and i appreciate that i think i think it was a stock up moment and he also had some wild ass plays that are and throws they're like wow that is that is a first round talent all right well guys that's it there is no more. The next time we talk to you guys, we're going to be talking about a big game. Yeah, the Dolphins still play those, although it's going to be a little bit different than most big Massive games. Massive game. All right. Till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.